The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 64. Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. Say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where I talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Before we get started with this episode, I want to remind everyone that you can head over to sqpn.com slash merch to pick up your Secrets of Stargate uh, merchandise. I just ordered a t-shirt, so I can finally have myself on a t-shirt, which has been one of my lifelong dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are discussing the season finale of season three, Nemesis. The team is all ready for, for some much-needed R&R. Sam is tinkering with Nakador reactors, Jack is going fishing, Teal'c is visiting his son, and Daniel is on bed rest from appendicitis. Jack is unexpectedly beamed to an Asgard ship where he first encounters a swarm of robotic spider things and then a dying Thor. Thor tells him that the robotic bugs are replicators, von Neumann machines bent on consuming everything in their path to create more of themselves. Despite Jack's protest, Teal'c and Sam beam aboard with explosives to help Jack disable the ship before it can crash land on Earth and let the replicators free. Teal'c gets to spacewalk to plant explosives on the Asgard ship's hull, and Jack gets to be an action hero. Sam beams the SGC Stargate aboard the ship in time for them to escape before the ship plummets into the Pacific Ocean as a burning wreckage. Earth is saved, or is it? Bum, bum, bum. To be continued. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on this episode, Father? Well, this is this is a good one. This is always one I liked. Um, you know, of course, it shows that inferior human technology is always better than the superior Asgard technology. Uh, but no, this is this is a good one. Of course, we we do meet the replicators who are a very serious threat throughout the next few seasons. You know, they they mm-hmm. they are very important part of the plot. Because I, I wonder, well, we'll talk about it. But I, you know, I I think they kind of realized that the Gwaul were kind of played out already, so they needed something even bigger and baddier. Yeah, definitely. The the ghouls kind of, they'd reached that one note status where it's just kind of the same thing every encounter. So it's nice they're uh, switching it up. What about you, Lisa? I love this episode. I think that it it just feels like we've hit a point in Stargate. It's the end of season three, which feels like a long time, but it's really, to me, just where it's ramping up. Seriously. So Mm -hmm. we've got the replicators, which as Father Corey said, are a great addition for bad guys. And uh, we get to see a lot more of the Asgard. We have fishing becoming a theme and Jack's cabin and <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots of teamwork and fun stuff. I just, I, I don't know. I just love this one. I like to smile through it. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Victor? Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much the platonic ideal of a Stargate SG-1 episode. You've got like... <laughs> 
you've got humor, you've got science, you've got action, you've got peril, and it all kind of comes together. You've got a, a world-ending threat. You've got a cliffhanger. And this is pretty much like if you imagine, like I said, what the ideal SG-1 episode would look like. This is pretty much it. So um, mm-hmm. one of my one of my favorite episodes, it's not one I would tell somebody who is new to the show to like go out and watch because there's a lot there. You'd be wondering, like, why is this green alien in a bed, you know, type thing. But <laughs> but it's 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 one that I think I've seen this probably five or six times and I still enjoy watching it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they did do that in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jack Jack says that in this episode. So it's it's yeah. definitely uh, got a lot of good moments like that. And yeah, of course, definitely. you forgot about, you know, talking about it as the ideal episode. You also have the meaningful look from Sam at, at Jack's. Oh, invitation. yeah. Oh, yeah. First of many invitations, go fishing. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say we get a lot of uh, yeah. fuel for the Jack ship right here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The Jack you, Sam ship. You get that taster's choice moment there. But unfortunately, I missed connection. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It was all going so well until they beamed him up. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot here. Like you mentioned fishing, the replicators, and we do see a lot of the replicators for the next few seasons here. And even through Atlantis, they're going concern Mm -hmm. there as well. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. I always like these kind of threats you get in science fiction where it's more of a faceless force of nature rather than a concerted, effort kind of like the gold where you can kind of become like a comic book villain. Mm-hmm. So I like this the same way yeah. the Borg were early on where it was more just this force of nature that they have to deal with. Right. You don't have to wonder what their motivation is. Yeah. Yeah. They're the unstoppable force. And is Jack going to be the immovable object that they run into? And right. usually it's yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's nice to see. Uh, so Michael Shanks, uh, this must've been his week off because He's like, he, well, I guess not really because he does voice Thor, yep. yeah. but we get to see him at the very beginning. He's got appendicitis, so he's resting up from that. And I actually had that when I was six, which is apparently very uncommon. And I was in the hospital yeah. for like a week, so I can I can understand that. Yeah. Um, Evidently, he had it in real life. His appendix burst. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's he, what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Like on the internet, it says that he filmed his scenes like a week after everybody else. Hmm. Oh, cool. So, that he was it's written. cool that they were, yeah, Most they wrote the that in, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I wonder yeah. if they wheeled in, like, the sounds, the sounds, to, oh, I suppose probably the week he was in there recordings when he also did the voices. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. it could be like, you know, during COVID where the these actors were doing their voiceover lines at home, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because this was, he was Thor, the voice of Thor in this one, too. I thought, was this the first one for him as Thor? I or did think we... this might be, I think this might be the first one where he, he voiced as Thor. Because from here on in, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's cool to see that. I always like seeing the practical puppet they have for Thor because it looks pretty good. It holds up. Yeah. They give it a lot of personality. At one point, like, he does this weird, like, half frown thing with, like, half his face or something. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, this this poor little puppet man is really dying or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you start to feel sorry for this thing because it's just so, like, malformed and uncomfortable i love it when jack puts his <laughs> hand on it like he's like it's yeah. okay buddy and he like puts his hand on his stomach and it's like 
does he have a pulse or breathe? I mean, like, well, that's that's what they're not Jack was yeah. doing. He was, he was, you know, and they, they kind of raise it up to show that, okay, yeah, his, his, you know, assuming his lungs are in his chest, yeah. it is, he is still breathing. He's not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch this, though, I think Thor is dead at that point, like before the credits. And then when he comes back and he's breathing, I'm like, Thor's not dead. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what I assumed because when that scene came on, I was like, <laughs> yeah it is it is really like, is he's yeah it's like so i thought he was gonna be in more of the show but yeah it, it, they play it like he's dead um they also do something in this episode that i absolutely love where when he beams jack onto the ship for the purpose of helping him defeat the replicators he's made all these video logs of how to operate the ship and jack is completely lost which is subverting that trope that you always see in sci-fi where people get on a ship yep. that they've never been on before and they automatically know how to use it and I like that he's just like stumbling his way through and not really knowing what to do. But but then Zen gets up there and goes, oh, yeah, I know how this works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you also found out what Jack actually listened to. He really didn't pay attention to anyway. So, yeah. Well, he figured out enough to, to beam things up. So that's, true. that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot yeah, no, going I, on I in this episode. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So many different uh, plot points coming together. We also get uh, the fact that this is all kind of coming exposed to the rest of the world. Now that the Russians have seen the Asgard ship in orbit and all that. So we're going to get the expanding of that, which is cool to see. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have major Davis showing up at yeah. the uh, SGC to help of out. Course. Of course, we've got DEFCON, the DEFCON alert, you know, that mm-hmm. shows up every once in a while. The Russians are doing something. So we have to raise DEFCON, you know, I like that. Like it's in the yeah, I like that kind of indicator that this things are getting serious. We're at DEFCON, you know, mm. three, we're at DEFCON, you know, two. Chris, you what, never what, see it until the, the episodes Defcon? where you actually need to see it, you know. Yeah. It's just it's never there and all of a sudden, oh, we gotta show it. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I assume like again, I have not watched much beyond this episode, but is like the Stargate program in the presence of aliens something that becomes more and more known throughout the wider world? Yes and no. Well, yes and no. I mean, because yeah. eventually we get other countries working with SGC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, of course, there's an episode that's going to be coming up not too long from now. That's a future episode where it is known. But that's, you mm-hmm. know, kind of alternate universe type thing mm-hmm. or alternate timeline type thing. Yeah. Right. The, so the Russians, the, the public, Chinese. Yeah. Other countries. Yep. To the top brass there. And then eventually we see in Atlantis, a multinational kind of global earth organization leading the expedition to Atlantis, mm-hmm. which is which has its own kind of cool moments there. Uh, we get a really good uh, diverse cast, uh, you know. including a, an actor from Czechia, from the Czech Republic, who curses yeah. in Czech. And I think they, <laughs> if I remember right, they actually had to edit that for Czech airing. <laughs> probably yeah because <laughs> yep. he was actually cursed you know you can go and find online with the translations where he was actually cursing in check <laughs> nice that's awesome <laughs> what, yeah what no, was i talked about this before uh but it would be cool to see like if they do like a new star uh stargate uh series have it be like it's out in the open now and how's this technology utilized and you could have like an elon musk character trying to flip it for profit or something we, i don't know we get one of those we do actually yeah. yep. oh we, nice. do, we, do, we do get an elon musk character who's a couple of them actually who are who are uh-huh. using like basically alien technology for their own purposes and stuff so oh nice yeah we, we kind of get a hint that something like that could happen with nid just a couple episodes ago 
where it was the right. the secret team that was going and stealing technology. So you get kind of that idea mm-hmm. that it could happen anyways. And they do they do set up the whole um Russiagate situation in this episode with uh you know mentioning the Russians and then of course in the very next episode we we see some of that too and that'll have lasting repercussions as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. I really like the design of the replicators. Like that very mo- like you can like see that they're like individual little like pixel sections. Yep. Yeah. And so when they blast them they just like completely scatter and then they reform. I really liked how that was done. That was cool to see. The replicator blocks. Yeah, yep. there's there's yeah. a lot that they set up here with the replicators that plays out like consistently. Robert C. Cooper this is one of his episodes, you know, and so he's very into the lore and creating the lore. And so things remain more or less consistent. The only thing that doesn't maybe is like the replicators origin, although that's mostly accurate to what Thor says in this episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, a lot of what, you know, we, we see this with the replicators and then of course, you know, all technology evolves. And so it, 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 a couple more times we see the replicators, they've, they've evolved uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. but but uh, this is the replicators we all know and love, the kind of, you know, the bugs that uh, just eat everything and really good eating effects as they're eating through like the walls and the consoles yeah. and like, you know, digesting things. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That was that cool was to see. Well, and then, and then, of course, you know, you do get the, the fact that they're impervious to any kind of energy weapon, but just a good old fashioned slug out of a shotgun or uh, out of a, you know, a standard round out of a rifle takes care of them yep. at least for a couple of seconds, long enough to get away. Force equals mass times acceleration, baby. Yep. <laughs> Just going to knock <laughs> them to pieces. This, yep. Right. And this whole concept was uh, actually uh, thought up by uh, the mathematician uh, John von Neumann, mm. um, where he talked about this idea of if you built this machine that can build other machines, you get this self-perpetuating cycle where eventually they just consume all of the available biomass on a planet. And so it's been something that's been talked about in, in real science. And so they were drawing off of this, which is cool to see. It's also called the uh, like the gray goo scenario. Mm. So, which is uh, yeah, was that gray or goo that like- or gray goose? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both, I guess. Yeah, yeah. gray goo. <laughs> is is that like the uh, the paperclip game where you start out you know making one paperclip at a time and eventually your the entire universe is dedicated to making paperclips? I don't know if you remember that one a few yeah. years ago. <laughs> Where it was, yeah. it was you know, you keep you adding resources and adding. All of a sudden, you're using like whole planets to create the resources to make these paper clips and. <laughs> right, basically, it just yeah, it's a machine designed to do one thing, just build other machines, and then yep, you just let it go out of control. It's gonna eat everything. Exactly. So but it's, it, it's cool to see them applying real world thought experiments to the scientific concepts in this show. And the fact that like the Asgard's only weakness is their arrogance when it comes to their technology. And, and that was their undoing. They met a, a civil, uh, you know, a being or a force that just eats technology. And what do they do against that? You know, they don't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I thought it was very interesting that, that Thor was able to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. That that was their, yeah. you know, unlike the Tolan or some of the others we've run into who, I mean, it it is funny because, you know, there's talk about, well, we could blow up the ship. No, the ship is designed not to blow up. Well, we can launch missiles. No, we've got shields. You can't do that. Well, we can do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can do this. No, you can't do that. And then it's like, oh, but we can blow up a bomb inside the shields and that'll work. Yeah, a lot of thought like into this plan, which is which is why it's so effective. It's not like, 
oh yeah, they designed the Death Star with like this easy access port to the core of it. You know, it's like we have to blow up this specific thing at this specific time so that it can't mm-hmm. decelerate, so it hits the atmosphere, but we can only do it within the shields. And in order to do it, you have to use the one airlock that they haven't disabled, but we can't beam you out, you know, that sort of thing. So yep. they set it up very good. It's like a mm-hmm. it's like a Swiss watch going there. Yep. Yeah, no, I really like that. Or even the... F- I said, not where they just wrap it up a little bow at the end, you know, and it's all like, oh, okay, yeah. let's just blow it up and go home. Yep. Or so they think. Like when I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Teal'c is out in the airlock, he has to actually move away from the ship so that mm-hmm. they can actually get a lock on him with the beaming and all that. Mm-hmm. We also get we also get a lot of uh, good lines in this episode. Oh, too. Yeah. I really liked the the writings. Yeah. A lot like of the clips where. For Jaffa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. And Jack's acknowledgement that that's nice, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good quip. Yeah. yeah. And then there is also a good scene where uh, when Jack and Teal'c, uh, they run into that big like engineering room at one point, they open the door and there's like the replicators everywhere. And then Jack yeah. just says, forget that. And they close the door, well, which is a very clear homage. Yeah, that was to, the bridge. Uh, Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> where Sigourney Weaver's lips obviously do not say forget that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> A different word starting with the letter F. Yeah, exactly. Furling. Yeah, well, it's always the furling. Furling that. Yes. But this is the first of, and and not to spoil anything, but this is the first of many humorous Asgard beam outs we get. Mm -hmm. I think we get some with with Jack, but then season six, it's it's probably my my like favorite moment uh, of, of that. And, and we'll get to that in a few years, of course. But that, that, um, <laughs> that definitely becomes a comes a trope in, in Stargate of you know yeah. Jack saying something and just out of context, whoop, gone. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure. You betcha. Snackums, and then yep. Home gone. of the loons. Yeah. <laughs> he went full Minnesotan, and you never go full Minnesotan. Ufka, yeah, sure. You betcha. <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? Has that been established previously, or did they just decide to make him into the Minnesota native? They say he's from Chicago, but yeah, but you know, he does have his cabin in Minnesota, and I think this is the first time they they mention that. Um, He's from Chicago, but he likes Minnesota, so he's got a little bit better taste. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. A lake with no fish in it. (laughs) Or does it? Yeah. So we get to see uh, the Blissner. Oh, go ahead. Oh, good. And we get to see the Blissner, which is Thor's flagship, uh, named after the the hall that Thor and his family lived in in Asgard. So that's kind of a nice nod uh, nod to uh, Norse uh, mythology there. Yep. You can also see, uh, and you see this mostly in the wreckage at the end of the episode, but it's got like those Norse like knot patterns all over yeah. the hole, which is cool to see. The actual interior so of the ship looks like a 1980s movie theater. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. does. Yeah, it looks like a United Artists Almost movie theater from like yeah, late, popcorn, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Though we do get we do get to see a lot of the a lot of the ship. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. but uh, more than we have before, we usually just saw the uh, the bridge room or observation deck or whatever that is where Thor is usually sitting, where Jack mm-hmm. beams in. I like how sedate Thor is like just the whole time we've seen him. He's just very chill, very mellow. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got another, we got another Asgard that's got a little bit more of a temper. He likes, he grunt, likes to grumble. 
Yeah. Under his breath. He's not as he's not as tolerant to these silly humans as Thor is. Right. (laughs) No, it's great. Even when he's saying, I brought you up here to die and this and that, he's just very you know. That's okay. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah. But then you notice when Carter comes up with a plan, Thor's all to save him. Well, yeah, yeah, this this does. I can't remember all the techno babble, but like, there's a mm. thingy that this just slides over, and we're good. Just take me with you. Yeah. Did Instagram I mention this is a hover bed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also makes me wonder. Like, I guess this goes just with the hubris of the Asgard, but they had no contingencies for if their ship was disabled. Like, there's no escape pods. There's no escape craft or anything. Like. It's all or nothing. There's, well, there's he, not even easy self-destruct button, like a big red self-destruct yeah. button or something. I mean, yeah, he he does mention the other crew left the ship at some point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if if there was like they beamed off probably and then they disabled mm-hmm. the the outgoing transporter. So I don't know. But we do get and I'm glad they didn't do this again. But, you know, the uh, Sam at Sam and SG, uh, SGC's plan for getting off the ship is another space shuttle like they did yeah. at the end of uh you know, season one where the space shuttle came and rescued them. And so I'm glad they didn't do that again. But um, yeah, lots of space shuttles that can, you know, fly around and scoop people up. It just uh, launched, launched in a moment's, moment's notice. You know, it's not like, right. they, you know, it's like take a, months to set up. No, they said a couple hours it could be there. And I'm thinking, wow, really? <laughs> They're going with that, like early 1980s optimism where you could get yep. like those awesome, like, this is going to be the future in 20 years books where it's like 10 space shuttles in orbit and there's a giant uh, space station yeah. that's a ring shape and all that. Yeah. Oops, we just launched a bunch of uh, we just launched a bunch of uh, campers into outer space and now we have to make a cherished movie from our childhood. Yeah, called, called Space Camp, which everybody should watch. <laughs> hey, that was that was filmed right down the road from me in uh, nice. Space Center in Huntsville. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's, I've been I've been watching for all mankind on on uh, Apple Plus, and that's that's exactly kind of what it is. It's like you know by the by the time of Stargate, uh, yeah, we've we've got like literally mission to Mars, and we've got a big Hotel. big colony on the moon, and regular mm-hmm. space shuttle flights to and from, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, at a wedding in outer space, you know. Yep. <laughs> what could have been? That's <laughs> right. But uh, so their actual plan for getting off, which I thought was absolutely awesome, was uh, Sam beams the Stargate from the SGC onto the ship and they use that to gate to another planet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like mm-hmm. that. That was great. I love yeah, that. Yeah, the Stargate heist, which yeah. which has repercussions because the yes, Stargate's still down there somewhere. Right. Which so. I, I love that Daniel's like, oh, they're going to use it to escape. And there's yeah. Major Davis going like. I sure hope so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just, to me, he comes across yeah. as they really didn't, but I'm going to pretend that they're. Fine. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. sounds great. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. It, sure that, that's what so. happens when you. That's what happens when your supervisor says, "Like you need to be more empathetic, even if these people are hopeless. Like try to yeah. try to give them just a little something, you yeah. know." <laughs> So I haven't figured out what Billy, Major Davis really yep. does besides sit around and read yeah. mission briefings all the time. But I mean, he pops up all, he, you know, he, he pops up quite a bit, but yeah. I haven't figured out what he does. He's, he's a little more uh, sympathetic than Samuels, though. That's yeah. Okay. yeah. He's, he's, he's a lot better character than Samuels. <laughs> it's like he and, wants to be cool by association. Yep. Right? But like, I'm going to hang out with y'all and read He's still Pentagon, though. And, 
He yeah. would. Yeah. <laughs> he's still Pentagon, though. Yeah. But he's we get crazy. Hammond. We get a really good line from Hammond in this yeah. one where, you know, Jackson is looking, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Jackson is looking out into the Stark. He's like, I feel like I really should be up there with them. And Hammond goes like, now you know how I feel all the time. Yeah, that was yep. good. Yep. That yeah. Of course, I wonder if that yeah, was no. kind of a dig, too, because Michael Shanks was voicing Thor. So he kind of was up there. Yeah. <laughs> there could have been a little of that behind the scenes. Or maybe I just want to see more really action Hammond going through the line. gate. Yeah. You get some of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Davis is kind of that guy who he's he's fine. He's just kind of mediocre at everything he does. So he just kind of tries to fit himself in wherever he can mm-hmm. with the cool people. Mm-hmm. He's a desk jockey. I mean, he's, he's, he's a paper pusher. Yeah. His job is to produce reports off of reports and, you know, stuff like that. And so. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not that, like the, the cool team, yeah. the cool action teams that go out and, and, you know, kick aliens butts, you know, and, and right. stuff like that. He's not overtly evil or possessed by aliens. So not right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that means we're going to get the, uh, area 51 Stargate, uh, brought back in. So tying that thread yep. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So now the, uh, the Egypt Stargate, the primary Stargate is, uh, going to be at the bottom of the ocean and the secondary Stargate, the Atlantis or the not Atlantis, the, the, uh, Antarctica, Antarctica. Stargate is now going to be an SGC. Mm-hmm. So if you activate Stargate at the bottom of the ocean, would you just get like an endless, endless torrent of water? No, because it's only one. It's it's unidirectional. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you activated the one on the bottom of the sea oh, towards, the, water towards the one in the SGC. We're going to. Yeah, we, we get an episode <laughs> actually called Watergate. Oh, OK. <laughs> and it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Coming up pretty soon, I think. Yep. Right, fourth? Season four? Season yeah, four. I love that episode. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some good episodes coming up where you get to see stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that's what I mean. Nice. I feel like end of season. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I always love I love All Star Gate except for maybe Ori, but the end of season three, I feel like they're just launching us into okay, we set everything up. Now let's have fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, Robert C. Cooper. I can't like extend my appreciation enough to like what he did for the show coming in. And, and I know it was a team effort, but just in terms of like making it cool and making a lot of like, you know, jigsaw puzzle that it just all kind of fits together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also get, giving it its own, yeah, like its own voice among like all the 90s sci-fi yep. TV show. Like right. this wasn't just like a ripoff of Star Trek or Star Wars or mm-hmm. any one of those other shows. It, it has its own identity, which yes. is really fun. Right. Yeah, because this was going against DS9 and Voyager at yeah. this time. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you had those two Star Trek series that were going on that at that point. And, yeah, this is very, very different. Also, it's season end of season three, beginning of season four is still on Showtime. But you have to right. wonder by start of season four, they're starting to think, okay, it was a five-year contract, and that's coming up here, or five-season contract, and that's coming up here pretty quick. What are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. they're trying to position it to be a little bit more uh, – uh, oh, friendly, shall we say, for for people who aren't might be, might not be quite you know super sci fi geeks, mm-hmm. and of course it ends up on yeah. the sci fi channel anyways. When it actually was a right. science fiction channel, but it was running since a season nope. one started on syndication. 
I can't remember if it was on Fox or UPN or one of those. I think it was on sci-fi and their syndication. I think that's how it ended up. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, no. From the very beginning, it, it, it was on Showtime, yeah. but then they started running them like less than a year later. I, on, I, I, on think, it, I think it was a cable channel. I don't think it was like Fox over the air type. I don't remember seeing it on Channel 20, uh, you know, in Detroit, mm-hmm. but I would have noticed this. Yeah. I was impressed with the CGI in this episode, actually, for, mm-hmm. you know, 2000, whenever this was, 2001. Like the replicators, there, there's some cases where it's like, are they like reflective metal or, you know, it, it, it's a little bit like, especially when the one crawls out of the ocean at the end. But mm-hmm. the the long shot and when when Stargate goes for a very ambitious CGI shot, they usually nail it. And so we have this shot of like, you know, the camera like. You know, passing under, you know, the bliss blissner and, and there's teal, you know, like floating around. Ah, and um, it's very well done. Yeah. So it's it really gives you a sense of the scale of the ship. And you're like, what I also appreciate is they didn't say, well, the Asgard are the most powerful race in the galaxy. Therefore, they need to have a ship that's like, you know, 10 kilometers long or something. Why would the Asgard need a ship that big? Right. They have all the technology. They don't need a, a full crew or something. So it's a. It's a very reasonable uh, size ship, if you ask me. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, they definitely apply the CGI in a way that holds up, and it it doesn't have like that kind of plasticky look that you you get a lot of times. Yeah, like even nowadays, even with, uh, yeah, like with the way the replicators look, like I feel like the kind of weird, uncanny valley look actually works for them because you yeah. imagine them as these like molecular nanobots that are just assembled into this larger hole. And they, they did bump the lamp, which is a, a term that goes back to who framed Roger rabbit, where, you know, there's a, there's a scene in the back room at the bar where like, you know, Eddie's trying to restrain Roger and he like bumps the lamp. And so the lamp is swinging around on Roger rabbit. And there's like all this crazy lighting. The animators didn't need to bump the lamp and have to like hand draw all these weird lighting (laughs) effects. And so we see that when the replicator kind of, runs across across uh, Jack's chest and he has to like go eh, and get it off. And it's actually very well done. It looks, it looks very convincing. And uh, you know, they they could have just had it like scuttle past him and stuff, but they, uh, you know, they, they went for it and, and it paid off. Yeah, definitely works. So I, I looked up uh, talking about uh, syndicating uh, SG one. The first season was aired on Fox in syndication six months later. Uh, oh. But then eventually uh, sci-fi channel picked up, the syndication rights. And that's how it went from starting uh, left regular TV. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so it was still on Showtime, but it was syndicated on, on a uh, sci-fi. So yeah. that's how I found so it how... originally was on regular TV. And then we oh, got yeah. Showtime to watch it <laughs> to start over. But at, at the time it was nice. all 22 Fox stations. Think 22 Fox network 22, was 22 that was stations. All? That was when Fox was brand new wow. as a network. So that's why I'd never seen it. I had never seen it on, on yeah. like over the air TV or, you know, basic TV because it wasn't available in a lot of places. In a lot of, yeah. And I'm, I'm in Houston, which is a major network city. Yeah. You probably had a, a channel. That's interesting. And, and by the way, once again, Fox messed up a chance at a science fiction <laughs> franchise. There you go. Once after again, one season. Fox yeah. messed it up after one. At least they got all 22 episodes or the you know, yeah. 20, yeah. you know, whatever it is, a season one. But still, 
Fox's pattern stayed true. <laughs> if you did watch Stargate on Fox, though, if you did watch Stargate on Fox, though, if you're one of the OG, you know, Stargate syndication fans, like, leave us a comment, like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. <laughs> Let us know you're in the comments. Yes. What was your, uh, your first viewing of this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I guess syndication is not really a thing anymore. I haven't watched like actual TV in years, so I don't know. Do they syndicate yeah. like streaming shows onto regular channels? I don't know. I don't, I don't think don't so. Think they are actually. That's the I funny part. The is I think way. usually they leave network. Yeah. And go stream. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. now if you have like a like a digital like antenna, you can pick up like three channels on like mm-hmm. every channel or something. Up and that five. there's a lot. Of, yeah. And there's a lot of because it's all digital now and there's a lot of like old sci-fi and old shows. Yeah. And yeah, so there are people out there who don't have cable and that's all they watch. And so they're mm-hmm. getting access to all these great old mm-hmm. movies that none of the rest of us yeah. can see. That's, that's what Stargate. I do here. I... We found Stargate on Comet, which was an over-the-air mm-hmm. channel about a year ago. Mm-hmm. But then with sure. this whole MGM, Amazon thing, you know, started happening, it, yeah. it left Comet. But it was on every night and my husband and I discovered it. And just even though we nice. have it on Netflix, we have it on DVD, yeah. you know, it was just kind of fun to like... <laughs> There's something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Recently with this thing um, on my Chromecast, they have this new thing called Pluto TV, which is like basically a cable thing. Um, And they have like an entire channel dedicated to Stargate, an entire channel dedicated to Star Trek, like all these channels where it's just like marathons 24 seven of the shows. And it's Doctor Who's on there as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nostalgic just to put that on and be like, I don't get to pick the episode. Yes. I'm just going to watch what they put on. Yep. Yeah, I you know, the old days when you would just flip the channel and something's on and you would watch it. And exactly. Yep. Yeah. No decision also, needed. By the way, they also have a Price is Right channel. So if you're one of those kids that you <laughs> oh, grew up man. watching Barb Barker on days when you were homesick from school, <laughs> you can Come relive on that now. experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had time to watch all the stones. Yeah. Jack O'Neill with the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyways. So we get our, not our first look, but like those sorts of like, uh, you know, teardrop uh, shaped stones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very through Stargate universe that, that technology, uh, uh, you know, comes cool, back and it? back. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a keyboard with only like 12 keys on it and like three fingers. Well, think yeah. about it. He I said, to zoom, it. Carter says, how do you zoom in? He said, toggle it to the left like right? move the, yeah move the yeah is and that the only thing that there and it knows exactly where you want to zoom it was it's it's awesome <laughs> it's like this it's like an apple pencil yeah i was gonna say it's got the it's, it's got the thing where it shape. follows your eyes you know <laughs> yeah. yeah it kind of goes with the whole uh the arthur c clark quote about any uh sufficiently advanced technology just appears to be magic so mm-hmm. you have these weird magic glowing stones that seem like something out of fantasy but you move it far enough and it's just <sighs> They're just fancy mice. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, computer yeah. mice. That's all they are. Actually, the seems- they kind of look like some of the, you know, the wireless mice. I've got an older one here and it looks similar to a different colors, obviously, but <laughs> kind of the similar shape, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> what if they were the puck mice from uh, Apple in the early 2000s? Be miserable. <laughs> They'd be a little yeah. after this, but yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah. That would have been probably an expensive way to, to do it. Yeah. A bit, a bit <laughs> naff, a bit rubbish as our. Friends in the UK might say. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I see. And so we leave off on this, uh, spun cliffhanger. The ship is crashed in the water. Uh, the SG 
team has escaped to uh what was it p can't remember which p3 x234 there we go you wrote that down and you didn't just remember that maybe no, I didn't write it down. <laughs> yeah. you said that but but it is nice this time of year there, according to Jack. Yes, so. it is. Heard yeah. it's nice this time of year. And apparently it accelerates uh, facial hair growth, too. Yes. In, in just and, seven days, and, you can grow yourself a rock in a soul patch. Or and a, hair. Carter's hair yeah. suddenly gets longer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But don't you love it that we learned you can dial the gate at least once? There's enough power for one dial out after yep. it's been disconnected. If it's if yeah, it's been powered up, you know, is, yeah, and that was that was from Major Davis. He had some little yeah. science there. Because all he does is sit around and read uh, mission reports all day. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's up. He's uh, up to date with his Stargate lore. So, yep. will the Earth be destroyed? We get that replicator popping out did, of the water at the end. Did, of the... did, S, did SG-1 actually, actually escape in time? We know Thor got out, but did the rest of the team get out? Yep. Mm. Tune in next week for... <laughs> yeah, I love this serial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, the one good thing about the way they used to air these, you didn't have to wait a whole year. Nowadays, mm-hmm. when they release yeah. um, streaming stuff, you have to wait an actual whole year. Which Yeah, well, this is two or three sometimes. You, you still yeah. had to wait three months. Well, yeah, but yeah. that was only three months. I mean, this yeah, nowadays, but it's but still, weird. imagine being in high school and Picard's turned into a Borg, and you're like, oh my god, what's happening? Oh my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, it'll be back on September nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, or whatever it is, and you're like, ah, yeah, but there's summer, and then jump you go on play the BBS outside. and talk with your friends about it. We but we did, know. yeah. But you know what they would do is they'd have reruns during the summer. That's true, they did. They would, yeah. So you could you could you know get get all all the action you missed. Exactly. Re, for yes. for those who don't remember reruns, reruns is what <laughs> binging is today, right. where you go back and watch the episodes from before. Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> still mortify my kids. Me. Yeah, my my kids when we're watching these shows and we get to like a season break, I'll say, and now you have to wait three months to see what happened, and they'll like scream, and then I'll just like queue <laughs> up the next episode and be like, just kidding, just kidding. But, oh, heck, yeah, just tell them about the whole idea of commercials. Yeah. That there's no, a they closet saw- <laughs> and then you have to two minutes of whatever, yeah. buy some yep. soap, you know? <laughs> my kids saw a commercial my kids saw a commercial once and they felt so violated. They were like, Why is this little show interrupting my show? <laughs> That's how my son is. He's six and we were in a hotel one time and he wanted to watch TV and I I spent like 10 minutes explaining to him that we can't just watch whatever we want. We just have to watch what's on the TV. And he's like, but that's not how TVs work. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. <laughs> I love awesome. Uh, y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? So I, I'm definitely with, with Jack about, you know, when you're given leave that you, that means you actually <laughs> left. I never had that yeah. problem in the Air Force. When I had leave time, it's like, bye, <laughs> I'll see you in two weeks or whatever. You know. <laughs> yes, but, but what was it? Deconstructing NACWDA reactors or whatever. That's fun. She, the, the decay rate of NACWDA. <laughs> she was going to say, it actually, ah, ah. I, oh, yeah. I always love when he does that. Ah, oh. No. <laughs> oh, Which is her oh. face just lights up. Like, oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> and did you see a way her face lit up when she says, like, it's not that I'm happy that Daniel's in excruciating pain or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like she says yeah. that and she's like, yeah, I could tell you're really broken up about Daniel. Right yeah. yeah. 
this is what I think is fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Teach yeah. your own. But then when she realized it's this actual invitation to go fishing, it was like, oh, oh, what? Huh? You, you, the meaningful look like, oh, I want this. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> what does it mean? Like too much thinking going on, right? Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. And we also get a nice uh, a nice moment where where Tilk is like Thor is correct we're all going to die and Jack's like oh we've been in this situation before and Carter's like no we haven't <laughs> not like this yeah. that actually becomes like, kind of a recurring thing right how many times yeah. in the future we're going to hear them say we're all going to die <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> awesome uh we do have some uh, feedback on the episode 100, 100 Days, uh, which is interesting to hear this feedback because uh, Penny Parker says on Twitter, this was one of my favorite episodes of Stargate. And Antipodal on Twitter says, I love the episode. When we first meet Jack in the movie uh, as O'Neill with one L, he was suicidal. In this episode, O'Neill with two L's, he was cut off from Earth. He was despondent, but Lara gave him hope. Beautiful episode. So that's definitely a... Uh, a different angle from uh, what we all thought about it, but I would, what were your thoughts on that? I'd like to go on the record and say I always was in favor of 100 Days. It's always been one of my favorite episodes. So uh-huh. I appreciate your comments. And uh, <laughs> Do we need to uh, go back and listen to the episode for uh, to review? Do we <laughs> yeah. need to fact check we'll this? Intersperse, uh, Actually, yeah, we'll I'm... intersperse Victor's dialogue here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you listen, Victor was pretty, he was pretty def- defended. The, the relationship I like and, that lady, and how it went. Whatever he her did. name was, I listened to this oh, episode I, I, again. He did defend I, I liked it. Her. I, yeah. I don't understand it. <laughs> I, I liked her. I just didn't like the show. I didn't like the whole episode. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think I was on that one. But no. I I liked the episode fine. But I don't like the fact that it doesn't have a follow up. And knowing that it doesn't have a follow up sours it for me because it mm-hmm. makes Jack look like. A deadbeat well, husband who went out to get some milk and never came back. And, and the follow-up we do get. Yeah, the follow-up we do get is Jack gating to her planet and then, like, <laughs> looking over his shoulder as he hastily gates off to another planet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That that's, makes it even worse. That's the follow-up we get. <laughs> well, and here he has a week leave. He isn't going to visit her, is he? Nope. Tilk went off world to go visit his kid. Oh, Jack yeah. Didn't. Jack didn't go visit us. Maybe little Jacklet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, who was it? That yeah, it's said pretty that heavily on, telegraphed. Didn't we get a comment on Twitter about uh, maybe there's a Jack Junior. and that's what the uh, new episodes, the new Stargate show, should be about? It was like, like he comes back to Earth Jack bitter Jr. that yeah. Jack didn't go to visit him, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's the yeah. villain of the show. I was raised on this primitive planet, and you could have brought me back to Earth. He's the buddy syndrome of, uh, yeah. Yeah. We get a, a Chandra EK on Twitter replying to that thread, uh, did say, is there a Jack Jr. Uh, hanging around? I've been wanting to know that ever since he left, which is, yeah. I would like to know that too. We all want to know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> again, the way, uh, well, now we have shows like, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi have feeling the need to explain why Darth Vader has a scratch on his head in return <laughs> of the Jedi when he doesn't in and a new hope or in a, oh, no. in the prequels. It's like now that shows have gotten into that, like Nagel it's almost gazing. like an Ouroboros of it's just eating itself. And like, let's explain every little detail. I feel like this is something that would get explained. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't see Stargate shoving their head that far through the gate to to do it. But yeah, not no. when they've got other beautiful yeah. stories they can tell. Oh yeah, yeah. I hope. <laughs> Fingers <Okay>. crossed. <laughs> That's the problem. Like when your mythology is based on like three movies, and you just have to end. Yeah, you're right. You just have to endlessly like regurgitate those three movies over and over again. Whereas Stargate had, you know, fifteen, yeah, seventeen seasons. To be fair, yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair to the Star Wars fans, you can listen to Secret of Star Wars here on SQPN to hear more from them. They did have a pretty rich book and comic uh, canon. Yeah, they did. That Disney said, we bought you, and by the way, none of that matters anymore. So. And then we got the uh, the sequel movies, which are, they're, they exist. Yeah, yeah I haven't, exactly. I haven't seen I can say about them. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome yeah it's a uh, fun to hear uh differing opinions on episodes that we did not yep. like as much mm-hmm. um so we always love to hear that you can reach us at uh twitter at sqpn um and our email address is stargate at sqpn.com i'd like to hear if anybody hated this episode because this seems to be a pretty universally liked episode so i want to know mm-hmm. if someone did not like this episode or doesn't like some of the more well-loved episodes. I feel like there's always those episodes of TV shows that are considered great, but then some people don't like them. Like I think the inner light from next generation is yeah. not that good, even though it's one of the most loved episodes. There there are some people so out like, there. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't think, but there are some people out there like we don't talk about Ergo. Oh, no. <laughs> oh you're waiting yeah. for that one. <laughs> I've been waiting like six weeks for that one. Uh, that's amazing. The hang time that on that the one. Plant I put in your head. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> that was a good joke, Father Corey. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Donna C, Pat D, Laura M, John L, and Mary Claire L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Small Victories. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secret to Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack, but I need a Spaz 12 of BF8, 10 pounds of PBX, and a UAS at the base of the Stargate in, oh, five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get right on that. Thanks. Once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>